Ashley and Bianca here, and we will be interviewing Amanda Kramer about her film, Lady World. Lady World is a psychological thriller that dives into the female psyche after eight girls become trapped, bored, and stressed inside a friend's house after an earthquake. Amanda is the director of Lady World, and she is an independent filmmaker based in LA. She has been internationally recognized with her film, Lady World, which was screened at the Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. BFI London Film Festival, Toronto International Film Festival, and Sydney Film Festival in 2018. Her other acclaimed films include Paris Window, Intervene, and Bark. Amanda's filmography as a writer, director, and producer is a mix of psychological thrillers, dramas, and comedies. She has been described to create unsettling and surreal artistic films, and we are really happy to have her on the podcast this week. So please welcome Amanda. Hi. Thanks for having me. Don't you guys like how people describe my films as artistic? It's like, shouldn't all films be artistic? Um, <laughs> it helps to show you what I'm up against out there in the world, you know, a lack of art is, oh. <laughs> is what I think that they mean by that. But um, yeah. thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. I'm very happy. We're excited to have you. I mean, to start us off, can you explain to us like how you got into filmmaking? Yeah. Um, so. I didn't go to film school and I didn't like take the traditional route because for me, the sense um, that I would study writing or the feeling that I knew that I wanted to study writing was something that came very early for me. And I thought that if I took any other, you know, art, like if I had any other art emphasis, I wouldn't spend as much time on writing. So I was a writing major and I took every kind of class you could possibly take, essay writing, screenplay writing, playwriting. Um, my focus became playwriting and I started writing plays and had every plan in the world to go into theater. And I didn't want to make movies, you know, I didn't have a predilection toward the camera or I didn't like to take photos. I wasn't like one of those kids who loves photos. So, you know, it didn't make any sense to me to go into film because I wanted to be in the live space and theater is so living and breathing. And um, I was doing that for a while. And then I'm from Los Angeles and I moved back to Los Angeles thinking that I could do theater here. And there's just no uh, theater scene. There are no theater people. It's very small and very elite what, what there is. So, you know, you do what one does and you start writing other things, writing articles, writing whatever you possibly can to make a little money. Um, and I was writing novels under another name uh, for teens. And uh, my book agent said, you should try writing a screenplay. You're in Los Angeles, you should give it a shot. Um, and then kind of a little bit, the rest is history. Like I, that's a very cliche, stupid thing to say, but um, I came on a whim, you know, like it wasn't really my medium. Um, I really just love actors and being with actors. So it was a natural progression at a certain point, but it wasn't my first love. And now, you know, it's all I think about and all I do all day long. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm twisted by it. I'm a, uh, I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. 
I saw an interview you did with, uh, well, it was the TIFF Next Wave, and you kind of talked about the your casting process and how you don't believe in like, you know, uh, tapes or like working with agents and all of that because it's kind of, you know, demeaning. And so I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about that because I think your approach and like having coffee with them and getting to know them as like human beings, like, and how I guess you decide on who is right for you. You know, you have to be like a, you have to be like a deep fan. I mean, you have to live in the world and be a fan of, of people and things you have to watch. You have to be like a, an audience member. And when you're a great audience member, you start to see people and go, oh, they're good. Oh, that person's good. And you write their name down and it becomes this very long, obsessive catalog in your brain of people you want to work with and that you have interest in. And then sometimes you start writing characters and you're like, I'm going to write a character for that person, whether they take the part or not, I'm going to let them be this sort of like mood board face. Um, And then when it comes time to get someone, if you're lucky and you go after that person, you know, you don't need to audition them. You've seen them, they've inspired you. I mean, that is sort of a a guiding principle that I have. Um, But yes, in general, I find that when actors go on tape, something else takes over and it's not always right. And I've met such brilliant actors and seen their tapes and their tapes have just not been good and vice versa. I've seen amazing tapes and then the actor shows up and I'm like, you're not good. Um, And I realized that it's not the best process. There's a better process and being in front of a person talking to them you can tell if they have good timing. You can tell if they have a sense of humor. You can tell if they make eye contact. And eye contact is not necessary, but you can just sort of feel, I mean, psychic energy is available, right? Like human beings pro- project and emit something. And that's why like we're all losing our minds during the pandemic because you need that flow between human beings to like be in society. <laughs> um, you just, you feel something when you're with them and then you feel their magic. And my job is many things, but one of the things my job is, is to sense chemistry and to sense presence and awareness. And that's um, a huge part of what makes an actor good. So meeting them, you start to become aware of like their tics, their facial expressions, Mm -hmm. like what they, come across as if you're charmed by them, if you laugh at them, if you're intimidated by them. And I think you can figure out a lot in in just an hour coffee and pretty much know what kind of performance they're gonna give you. And then of course they're gonna surprise you. But you know when you have like this great vibe um, and set is a microcosm of a society, it's a microcosm of the world. And you also want to know if you're about to be with someone who is kind. Um, mm-hmm. and patient and cool um, because it's hard work and, and you want set to be a lovely place. Like imagine mm-hmm. shooting Lady World and all of those girls were nightmares. That just would have been awful. Like they were wonderful and we had an amazing time and we're having so much fun. And then that means when you turn the camera on and they're very dramatic, it's an enjoyable experience. If they had been drama like that the whole time, that would have been torture. 
just total, total torture. Mm -hmm. You know, I took them all out to coffee. I got to know them. I was like, you guys are great girls. And I know that you're all good actresses because I watch your work. And, you know, that to me is a more meaningful experience than auditions, you know? Yeah. But I see why people do it. I just, it's not for me, you know? Do you feel like you're always going to stand by that too? Like for every project, you're going to take this approach? Well, things are so different in the world now, you know, like um, I was just casting a movie uh, and I, I cast almost all of the, the main parts that I knew I wanted. And I spoke to a brilliant casting director who was able to get me to those people. And then, you know, there are a couple parts left where you want the casting director's opinion. And she would send me a reel. And I was like, why watch that? There's Instagram, there's Twitter, there's people giving interviews on YouTube now. Like people give you their own information. So I don't even know if reels really matter or if auditions matter anymore because people sell themselves um, in the digital age. So I think moving forward, hmm. hopefully, you know, uh, not only will I not be doing the audition thing, but I, hopefully a lot of people will just be able to sort of cast uh, intrinsically and, and soulfully because actors are just like, here I am, you know? Yeah. But like, I think this will always be my process. Yeah. Did they, any of the girls know each other beforehand? Yeah, a lot of them were friends and uh some of them were longtime friends and some of them were just kind of peers who had been auditioning for similar things over the years um and they all kind of helped me get to each other it was like a little friendship ring of of girls and when they left that set they were all friends which is a great feeling i think that they all left like really appreciating each other but like we went through war together you know like <laughs> it's brutal <laughs> <laughs> we were like trapped in a house together for days you know so I think it was like a it was a similar experience only we got to go home at night but hours and hours and hours a day in a tiny house together uh yeah they became very good friends very close yeah I think each actor that you had brought so much to the character and with that, I wanted to ask, like, is there a character that you most identify with? Or could you kind of see yourself in a little bit of each? A little bit of each, I think. But I'm, I'm very much the dolly, I think, um, in, my, in my life. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think we're all, uh, I think every woman has, like, all of that in her. She has, like, a bit of the mean um, bully. She has a bit of the victor and the leader she has a bit of the scared insecure she has a bit of the nerdy a different aspect of the female psyche and you know I, I think I try to put my own feelings into every character so that they come across as three-dimensional and whole yeah so how how long did uh filming take how long were you guys in the house for we only shot for 12 days oh, wow. nothing that's really short for filming for a feature length. Yeah, it wasn't at all enough time. And I think in a, in a sense, like it gives you an added benefit because you're, you feel the pressure of time and that makes you work 
I don't know, almost like not harder, but more intentionally and more focused, but also every time a day ends, you have that pit in your stomach of like, there goes another day of work and we're getting to the end. And did we get everything that we wanted? And were we able to capture the essence uh, of the film today? Because we're moving on, you know? Um, that's independent filmmaking though. It's, it's a time pressure situation, even more than it's a money pressure situation. You just, you can never, yeah. you can never go again. So you really feel like every moment is so, um, it's filled with anxiety, but it's also filled with a, like a buzzing energy as well. It's short, but it's very uh, intentional and, and, um, and intense. Where did you film? Like you were, you were in a house? Yeah, we were in the house on the east side of Los Angeles, like in a regular neighborhood. So, you know, like people <laughs> would be walking their dogs outside and we would be inside just, you know, screaming at the top of our lungs. <laughs> It was a pretty bizarre experience because you're inside this world that's like a womb that is like costumes, hair, makeup, lights, set, and then you walk outside and you're just in a regular LA neighborhood. And what was your inspiration for like the costume and the makeup? Like because the makeup is is bold. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I uh, I tend to like the really theatrical. I mean, it goes back to my time um, in theater. I like very operatic, very theatrical makeup and hair and costumes. I like really uh, over the top, mm -hmm. uh, melodramatic looks. Um, and you know, in there's a a way to the garishness of the makeup you know I think about being a kid and putting on my mom's makeup and how clownish and crazy and sort of ugly we all looked but we were just having like the best time because we thought makeup was so elegant and sophisticated and adult um and I just wanted to take that to some sort of grotesque and gruesome extreme um as we all know makeup can make people look really gruesome and grotesque and extreme um so mm -hmm. I think that there's this like there's beautiful makeup that enhance features. And then there's, you know, the hiding that we do behind makeup sometimes. And I love that idea, um, especially in a world of women. So I just wanted to try something very extreme and, and trace the contours of, of the female faces and, you know, do something kind of clownish. Um, and I, I think it, worked really well and as far as the costumes like my costume designer and I just really wanted to do something memorable um and create something that felt very layered and um like you could peel bits of the costume off and you could change like a shirt into a skirt or you could you know you could move pieces of clothing around the body um in almost like a survivalist mentality, you know, like whatever you have on you <laughs> is sort of your armor and your blanket and um, your shield and, and everything. So that was sort of our approach into that. And then like just a color palette that we both really thought was evocative and would look good with all the white walls. Mm -hmm. wow. So was the makeup intentional um, for like Olivia and Dolly not to have any and then Piper and the other girls to 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that because they decide not to break off into that group, they just sort of devolve um, from there. But they are wearing an extreme amount of makeup, obviously. Um, they're wearing their own version of um, that makeup. And as you can tell, like in the final act of the film, like their face is sort of dripping um, and smearing. Um, yeah. They're sort of coming apart, but in a different way. Yeah. So the end of the, the last act um, and like the last scene, was there more than one ending that you had in uh, mind? And how did you decide to pick like the ending that you did? Was it just like a gut feeling? I mean, I knew, I knew how I wanted to end the film. Um, and that was a really difficult, that was a difficult day. It was really cold and wet in that basement. Um, and I, and the girls were in, you know, their underwear basically. And I went down there and I said, okay, look, we're only going to do this twice, but I need you to be down here shooting for seven straight minutes and I will call out when the seven minutes are up and it's going to feel like an eternity and it's going to feel like 30 minutes but I I am right here I'm at the monitor um I will yell cut at seven minutes and we'll only do it twice um and uh you know I I definitely think like watching the very first take I was immediately overwhelmed emotionally like just watching them crying and watching their 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 evolution over the seven minutes and I knew that it was the right ending I just knew immediately that I had the best ending for our film and then I called cut after seven minutes and we did it one more time and then you know that was it and I put robes on all the girls and I was like we have our ending and I I just I knew it um I knew that it was right it really makes you think like you come up with all of these scenarios in your head, like what could they possibly be looking at? What is outside? Um, you know, like what is their new reality? Or yeah, I, re I really like the ending. Thank you. I, what's interesting is once you start making movies, you realize how ridiculous everything is. And um, you know, what they're staring at in literal reality is a giant light that is shining in their faces. Um, and they're looking at the lens of a camera, which is a huge camera as well. And then they're looking at flags, black flags that are hiding, you know, the rest of my crew um, and me. So, you know, they are staring into a void, uh, so, so, so to speak, um, because lights are just bright in their faces and it's a meditative weird moment where you can see the actors going inside themselves and having a conversation in their head. Um, because, you know, there's, there's just movie magic at that point. They're not looking at anything outside. They're barely even, they can barely even see outside because they're in a basement looking up and uh, there's just a light in their face. Um, so it really is an intimate and strange moment in the film, but it's also, a very intimate and strange moment when you're shooting it. Um, it's a testament to great acting and it's a testament to imagination. And um, I do think it helps when people watch it to create these interesting, unique ex uh, experiences uh, inside their own minds because it's such an ambiguous and mysterious ending. And I, I think mystery 
is really important and mystery is uh, lost on us now. We like a lot of explanation. Um, and it's nice to have something that is vague and ambiguous that you can, I don't know, imagine many things. Um, I, I, I have a lot of respect for that and I try to do that as often as possible. Yeah, as a viewer, I really appreciate it. It's, it's great. <laughs> it makes you really think. Yeah, and it starts like a conversation too after the film because everybody has their own idea about what the ending meant to them. And then you kind of get to go more into like depth throughout the entire film. I think so too. I think it's fun to make something that's memorable that people remember and people talk about. I mean, I don't know who wants everything just figured out easy for them. I would imagine people want to have their brains picked at and you know, they want their uh, their thoughts to roll around and not just to finish something and go, oh, that was great. Anyway, lunch, you know, like it's nice to stay in someone's mind for a little while because I think it means you've affected them. Yeah, exactly. I think some of the best films are the ones that you like can't stop talking about and you go back and forth between like your friends and family on like what means what and like you can just go on and on about what you've just watched and experienced. Yeah, I love that. So what was kind of going back then? Um, I think Bianca wanted to ask you about the sound design. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, again, in the interview, you mentioned that you gave um, your sound designer, Callie Ryan, a, like a list of words that you wanted to convey in this section. How did you go about making the list of words, how, did, how was that? Yeah, so I have a sound designer and a sound mixer, and those are like the people who are, are adding the guttural sounds. And then Callie is my composer and she's making all of the vocal sounds. And for me, I knew immediately as I was shooting the movie that I really only wanted the music to be a woman's voice which is, you know, incredibly avant-garde and bizarre and not everyone's cup of tea and definitely uh, scared, you know, my producers and my team because it's such a bold, crazy choice. But when I started talking to Callie about it, who has a beautiful, beautiful voice, um, I was like, I need just a very emotional, vocable uh, score. I need you to watch the scenes, look at the picture, look at the actresses, and just start to open your mouth. And these are all the movements of the film. And these are, this is the script. And this is where I feel certain emotion needs to be conveyed. And um, Callie is just so brilliant. But she's also just a very, um, I don't know, I mean, she's a very connected kind of artist. She is very overwhelmed with feeling. And she just would sit in her room and, and watch pieces of the film and record um, these very personal, very intimate sounds that she was making out of her mouth. And it just started to immediately work. It was like good intuition on my part, but it was really <laughs> Callie's um, talent and her skill and her connection to the material that I think made the score as special as it is. And I'm very proud of that score because that's, you know, not a choice I think many other filmmakers would have made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Lady World was a big success. And 
how did that experience um, inform you on your next creative projects, which was Sin Ultra and your future projects? I really love making short films and I, I make them in between all of my features because they keep me active and they keep my brain going and they, they, they help me flex my skill. Um, so after Lady World, I knew I wanted to make a short film because they're so, they're fun. Um, quite literally, like they are short and you are able to express ideas quickly um, that I think take, you know, a lot of minutes to express, you know, in, in the feature form. So you actually get to, yes, condense your thoughts, but you get to do something that has a different form to it um, entirely and you get to get in and get out, uh, which is nice because, you know, ending a project feels good to an artist because it's a sense of an ending and you can feel relieved. Um, features take so long and they they require so much fundraising and casting, shooting, post-production, the festival circuit, like it's all a big, big chunk of your mental energy, your emotional energy and your time. And shorts, you can have a different relationship with them. So yeah, I, I'll always make shorts, I think, um, because they they help me um, just have fun and remember what I do it for because making a feature is very stressful. Um, very, very, very stressful. Uh, I just finished one and um, it, it, it was, you know, it's like nothing else. It's like being on a Jupiter for a little while. Um, it's totally a different planet and you are so responsible for so many things that you kind of yearn for, a moment where you can be yourself again a little bit <laughs> and that's what a short film sort of provides you with it's like a you dip in and you dip out and then you just get to be with the footage which is a, a wonderful thing yeah. is there like um a within the process of all of it all is there something like what part of the process would you say you look forward to is it the post-production where you're sitting with the footage and getting to like put everything together or is it the best moment of all filmmaking the best moment i don't know how anyone could disagree with this but i'm sure people do is when you're completely set up your production designer has done something beautiful your gaffer has lit the set like in this very you know whatever like the way that exactly the way you want it your cinematographer is set up for the shot, your actors get to set and their hair, makeup and costumes just look incredible. And your first AD calls action and you're behind the monitor and it's all coming together. Everyone's hard work, your entire team, everything, all of their artistry. And you're just standing there behind your monitor, watching your actors act and watching your story unfold and being I don't know, an audience member, you get to see your film become something. It's building something out of nothing. And there have been moments where I've been behind the monitor watching a scene and I just like, I feel very emotional. I wanna cry. I'm just, I'm happy and I'm, I'm connected to the material. There are so many stresses before and after that, but there are suspended moments of, magic and disbelief and um you're transported it's just watching the actors act is one of the greatest joys um 
I think that we have as directors, we're, we're translating, um, you know, human histories and we're sort of allowing these people who are, are very, you know, I think if you're lucky, very brilliant and they're creating characters and um, they're making a reality out of your imagination. And, and that's a very, that's a high honor. So those moments I think are the best of, of the whole, of the whole shebang. Once it gets to an audience, it's not yours anymore. And every, it belongs to the world and you have very little relationship to it. But in that moment, it is all yours and belongs entirely to you. And um, it's not a selfish thing. It's just, you feel the immediacy of it and you get to feel the gratitude of being present and aware in a moment. Um, and you feel very tethered to it and it matters to you. Um, and it always matters to you, but in that moment, you can feel why it matters. I think it is not about the celebration of your film. It's not about critics loving your film. It's not about making money off of your film. It's not about even the posterity of whether or not it will make you an important artist. It's just about being in the room and watching the actors act and all of the excess floats away and you're just with the people who are making your work and they are working extraordinarily hard to see your vision realized. And it's an honor. Um, so you feel honored, but you don't have to worry about people's opinions. It's nice. It's like feeling honored without having to, you know, be criticized um, and feel like you deserve the criticism, which, which inevitably comes. All of the feelings come. But in that moment, you're just connected to the work and to everyone working for you. And it's, it's, it's a, it's, you know, it's a very beautiful thing. So um, we kind of looked at your IMDb profile and we saw that your next project, Please Baby Please, and it has some recognizable names attached to it. Do you think that your identity, your creative identity will be translated well in your new film? Yeah, I'm really pushing it on the new one. Um, I'm really going to some strange, bizarre places. Um, I feel very fortunate that I get to be an artist in the film medium um, because I, I get to be a visual aesthete. I get to be a sound aesthete. Um, film uh, pairs everything it it pairs video audio visual whatever whatever it is you're there for you're getting a sensory overload and um that means as an artist you have a lot to play with and you have a lot to overwhelm people with um and and give them all the sensations i worked so hard and i'm still working on please baby please um to get a cut together that is as exploratory and wild and bold as possible. Like I want to make groundbreaking and innovative work and I want every piece I make to feel like an elevation or um, you know, an integration with the last. Uh, so I, I, I do think I, I do think I did that, but you'll have to be the judge of that. Somebody else will have to be the judge of whether I was successful. <laughs> I'm trying, but you know, 
time will tell if 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 people agree but i do think it's a beautiful film i think the actors are, are geniuses i'm very lucky mm -hmm. i i'm really excited because i really enjoyed lady world and so i am excited to see what this new project will look like for you and what it will bring for you in the future i hope you like it ashley yeah. <laughs> I hope you like it um, but you can always tell me if you don't I, I'm <laughs> fine with that that is also the life of the artist you know yeah as long as you're proud of it I don't see anybody else making them so <laughs> thank you I agree I will actually I will take that um I will take that with me today. That is a good piece of advice. Um, yes, no one else is making them. So as long as I'm happy with it. Um, but that's the drama of, of it all, right? Like, um, who do we make these things for? Mm -hmm. A little bit we have to be making them for ourselves and a little bit we have to be making them for humanity and we can't get too, too tripped up in either. If I'm making something totally for myself, then I'm just a vain egoist uh, with no merit. And if I'm making them entirely for an audience, I'm a sellout corporate, you know, mm -hmm. hooker. So it's like, you gotta like, you gotta figure out and marry um, your own self with your audience and hopefully you make yourself happy. And that in turn makes some weirdos out there who are like you happy too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So with Please Baby Please, is there anything else you're working on? Yeah, yeah. I um, I uh, have written another script um, called, uh, it's a remake to a 60s film called Girl on a Motorcycle. Um, uh, it's a really mm -hmm. cool uh, road movie exploitation feminist manifesto. Um, and I'm working on a mini series and a TV show, you know, like you got to always be writing and always be coming up with things and you can't ever get stagnant. So there's always something on the horizon and little shorts here and there to keep me fresh and to keep me excited. And um, hopefully in 2021, we're able to figure out ways to make our work without any danger. And hopefully we are all safe and healthy and art can thrive again. Um, uh, but who's to say? Uh, for now, it's like you make your films with masks on and everybody gets tested and it's a, it's a strange time, um, a very chaotic time to make work, but also something really unique and interesting happens during chaotic times. So I think a lot of the things I'm writing and working on now have, a lot of the isolation and alienation of the pandemic just steeped in them. Because it's like, you don't have to be writing about the pandemic to be feeling the effects of it. Um, so even though my work isn't about that, it definitely feels very strange uh, mind that has been alone and not with any people. <laughs> so, you know, you can't, you can't help that. It's like, a, it infects your brain and then it makes you think strange thoughts. So hopefully the work that we all start doing now will have even more bizarre feelings um, to tap into. I'm actually looking forward to that, even though it's been a hard and sad time. I think it, any hard and sad time uh, inspires and enlivens um, somehow. So I, I, I am just planning on working a ton and getting all of these feelings and emotions and sadnesses and weirdnesses out of my body and onto a screen. 
Yeah. And so like, what is inspiring you now? Like any, like what films or artists or just any, anything? Like, what do you find inspiration in now? Um, wow. I mean, inspiration is everywhere. Um, we should, we should think about that every day, you know, like, uh, I do watch movies. I have recently been watching, you know, Fellini and Argento and a lot of made for TV movies from the eighties and nineties, um, like garbage stuff that like is really unique and evocative and over the top. Um, I, uh, obviously subscribe to the Criterion channel, which everyone should, um, the greatest films ever made are on the Criterion channel and, um, they open your mind and obviously, uh, you know, infect you and give you passion. But I don't like to focus on movies um, too much. I like to look at paintings and fashion designers and, you know, fine art and listen to music, uh, do basically anything else besides stare at a movie, try to find outside influences um, and try to think of other aspects of the art world so that my films don't just feel like reiterations of other films so that they feel like they have fashion and fine art and photography and you know light design and sound design and score uh all you know mixed in um i think when you have other influences like even just like listening to techno and looking at the Paris, you know, fashion runway uh, of that season, like um, all of a sudden, like your work just blossoms and takes on a whole new meaning. Um, the other disciplines are so useful and evocative. So I would always suggest to any, you know, young filmmaker not to, I mean, always be obsessed with movies, but, you know, look, look other places for inspiration for your work. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, ladies. I'm really lucky that um, that young filmmakers, especially young, smart women, watch my work and enjoy it. So I'm, um, I'm so grateful to you both and to anyone who watches my work. I, I'm, I'm, any artist is lucky to have an audience. So thank you for having me on and for talking to me. Yeah, where can people keep up to date with you? Do you have like a website? I do. I have a website. It's called A Film by Amanda Kramer. Um, I'm not really like a social media person, but if you go to a film by com, you can sort of see what I'm up to. And I'm sure eventually someone will start me an Instagram account, but that day has not come yet. So. <laughs> But for now, film by amandakramer.com. Yes. So it's time for something we call the impossible quiz. I will ask a question, and if you have the answer, just say it. Good luck. Question one. What movie is this line from? We don't need a leader. We can all be equal. I know the answer to that. <laughs> Uh, Lady World. Correct. <laughs> Amanda, I knew that one. You, you should have yelled before me. <laughs> okay, so Amanda's leading. Bianca, you can catch up. Um, question number two. <laughs> Who said this line? 
Everyone stop saying bush. Um, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna, is it Piper? It's, it was Caitlin Scheel, right, in Intervene? Hey, oh we have no winners for this question. <laughs> oh, was it Jane? It was Jane, huh? It was Jane Adams, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, dang, I'll have to, you know, apologize to Jane later for that, but, um, <laughs> I remember her saying it beautifully. She said it beautifully. It was. It was that scene was so funny to me. Like, oh, thank you. I think that they're so funny in that scene too. I really, I think they're so good in that. I think all three of those women. Because it was like the first time they talked, and then, um, and then they were talking about like um, the bush, the rose bush, and like the burning bush. And then Gwendolyn was like, "Everyone stop saying bush." The way they said the lines made it even more funny to me because it was yeah, so like... Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you think that's funny. I really like when people think my stuff is funny because I think it's funny. I'm amusing myself. I'm laughing. So I hope someone else is. Um, <laughs> there are three very wonderful actresses, Kate and Jane and Emily. They're wonderful, wonderful people. If anyone um, wants to look at their work, uh, all, all of them are great, you know, actresses in their own right so so check out intervene because the, there's some really great acting in it intervene yeah and it's available in vimeo so this is the last question amanda you can take the lead bianca you can tie it up here we go can i tie it up <laughs> <laughs> In 1993, who won the Cannes Film Palme d'Or prize? Oh my. I will, I will do multiple choice for this. So A, Catherine Bigelow, B, Barbara Loden, C, Cage Chen, or D, Jane Campion? Jane, was it Jane? I'm gonna go with B. <laughs> You're wrong. And I'll give you half a point. Um, it was actually, there was a tie that year. So it was both Cage Chen and Jane Campion. Yes. I know in 94, it was Pulp Fiction, but I don't remember. I didn't remember 93. It was the piano. Yeah. Yep. She did won it with the piano and then Cage Chen won, um, with his, which was Farewell My Concubine. Yes. I've seen both. They're beautiful. They're both very beautiful films. They both deserve it. They both deserve that tie. That was a good year yeah. for filmmaking. <laughs> It was, they couldn't even decide. So yeah, ding, ding, ding. Amanda, you've won the impossible quiz. We haven't had anyone win yet, so. Wow, thank you. I feel, I feel very good. I feel great. Um, so that's the impossible quiz and that's all for the podcast. Thank you, Amanda. It was really great talking with you. Thank you guys. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me. Send me emails, write to me. Let me know what you guys are working on. Share it with me. Um, I would love to see. Well, thank you all for listening. And if you um, like Lady World, if you didn't like Lady World, we still want to hear from you. My email address is on my website. If anybody wants to write to me and tell me that they hate the movie or love the movie, I am available and would love to hear it. So you can write me an email anytime. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Also, if you haven't already followed and liked our social media pages, please do. Our Facebook and Instagram accounts are at Behind the Takes Pod. 
and you can subscribe to us on YouTube. It's something that really goes a long way in supporting our page and it's totally free, so we really encourage you all to do that. Also, please rate our podcast on wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, Leave us comments on our pages, um, write a review if you have time. These are all free things that you can do to support us and they really do go a long ways, so thank you. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful day wherever you are, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.